I was really excited about the Taco Bot, which delivers tacos, you know, based on your location. So I want one of those right now. <laughs> They're going to into production someday. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash iFreaks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 172 of the iFreaks show. This week on our panel, we have James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. Lane Mosley. Hello from Lehigh, Utah. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, also calling in from Lehigh, Utah. We have a special guest this week, and that's Justin Gremmons. Yes, Welcome. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> and I'm in St. Paul. Nice. Do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Sure. Yeah, my name is Justin Grammons. I've been kind of a software engineer, you know, for about past 20 years or so. Currently, I teach a class on the Internet of Things at the University of St. Thomas here in St. Paul. Um, I also am, am the founder of a company called Recursive Awesome, where we, we work with Internet of Things and in particular kind of data analytics around it. I also have a weekly newsletter called IoT Weekly News that I'll kind of pimp here a little bit. So if you want to if you want to check out what's going on in the world of the Internet of Things, check out IoT Weekly News. Uh, I'm also a founding partner in a company called Lab Six Five One, where we're actually building connected devices through, you know, software engineering, electrical engineering, and mechanical engineering all under one roof. And finally, I. I'm part of a nonprofit called IoT Fuse, and uh, we work in the community to do hack days, monthly meetups, and conferences to try and promote the Internet of Things uh, in the state of Minnesota and beyond. Yeah, Justin's uh, been in the mobile space for a long time. Like when I first did my first iOS project, I had done it and I rolled off, and I went to one of your conferences that you threw, Mobile March. This was, I'm not sure, probably 2011, and that's really when I got that. You know, phones and tablets are going to be a huge thing, iPhones, iPads. So, yeah, Justin's been a leader in this space for a long time. And mobile, I think a lot of the things that went well with mobile are transitioning to IoT. I think that's having the same type of, driving the same type of changes in the industry. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, yeah, in 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 2000, well, 2005, I'd been kind of sick of working for a large corporation, so I left and went out on my own and and kind of fell in love with mobile development just in general. And so I was kind of looking at, you know, Blackberries and Nokia phones and that sort of stuff during that time and and I saw, you know, when when Apple came out with the iPhone, it was a game changer, right? We all kind of knew that, but I don't think we knew to the extent that it was going to change that much. And so myself and, a, and another person formed a, a mobile development company, and that's when we kind of had, had started doing contracts and, and work. And, and, and around that, really got involved with a community. I'm kind of a community guy. I, I really I work better with a team. I think just everything's better when you can kind of be open and, and share a lot of different things. And so we started a thing called Mobile March. And so that was around 2009 is when we started Mobile March. And, and it was a conference that we would do every year in March. We also had monthly meetings 
meetups. So there was a, a mobile Twin Cities user group and kind of, you know, been doing that for many, many years. But around 2011, I, I, I hopped into Arduino and I kind of really was sort of a game changer for me. It was realizing how simple it was to, to have anybody be able to kind of create a connected device and be able to make a light blink or a motor turn or anything like that. If you're not familiar with Arduino, it's an open hardware platform that anybody can buy, and it's 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 pretty low cost. It's uh, you know around twenty dollars for one of these boards, and there's kits you can get for fifty dollars. And my mind just exploded. I was sitting there in my office, I remember in 2011, and I was like, "You mean it's this easy?" <laughs> you know. And, and then all of a sudden, I was started thinking, "Well, geez, well, you know, what happens if you know now I can make the motor turn when the temperature gets below a certain you know threshold, or I can make the light turn on when a motion is detected? All that type of stuff, right?" And so I was like, "This is this is phenomenal." And so I, I really saw this idea of a connected world and and what was not really called the internet of things at that time you know it, the industry now has kind of glommed onto that term but i saw that as the next wave it's basically like you said james it's kind of it's it, i feel like it's kind of the whole sort of mobile revolution is happening all over again here with the internet of things and so i formed a community group here in, in town in 2011 called arduino mn myself and another guy named jake Behrens ran that group for many many years and it was all about you know open hardware how can we, you know, build really cool stuff? And same thing that happened with kind of mobile and this sort of mobile march and sort of the mobile Twin Cities initiative. You know, I, I've realized that if I'm tinkering with something in my basement, chances are probably my neighbor is or, or somebody down the street is. And so, you know, we kind of ran the the flag up the up the Arduino flagpole, and sure enough, people were started coming to our meetups. And so, we get we built a really solid community around you know open hardware and and kind of just building on 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 this platform. And um, we always had something to talk about. Somebody was always working on a project, right? And and I mean, there's the the group is 500 600 strong now, and it's been kind of morphed now into IoT Fuse, which is, is huge. We have 1,500 people on, on our meetup now. But but yeah, so and so it's one, it's one of these things where it's like, you, you know, if, if you're doing it in, in your basement, you know, reach out to the community, see who else out there is, you know, kind of wants to wants to do this. And chances are, you know, you'll find somebody. And, and once you start kind of working in a kind of, you know, every month, you know, make sure you kind of meet on a certain day. And, you know, what happened with us is that, you know, I, the word IoT and the, the Internet of Things kind of became the industry term that people started kind of glomming onto. And in 2015, we decided, well, let's do a hack day. So we kind of launched Minnesota's first IoT hack day, and everybody came together. We had 15 teams compete, and it's one of these things where what can you build in 12 hours? And so you start at the beginning of the day. A company named Minitronics here in town um, was nice enough to host, a, to host us at their space. Pitch your idea, and then after 12 hours, we open up the doors, and anybody from the community can come in and vote. And the winner gets, you know, they get bragging rights. There's some hardware that they'll get from 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 various vendors, but it's just a fun day. And we did that in the fall of 2015. We did it in the fall of 2016, and we're setting up to do it again. Sorry, yeah, we did it in the fall of 2014, fall of 2015, and now we're setting up to do it again here in the fall of 2016. Yeah, it's a really cool event. I was the iOS mentor for the, the last one, which wasn't at Minitronics. But uh, Leonardo's basement, also yeah. in Minneapolis. Yes. But great event. Cool to see what people are working on. I was really excited about the Taco Bot, which delivers tacos. You know, based on your location. So I want one of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be in production someday. Mm, yeah. Tacos. So that was yeah. 
Yeah. So so now so now there's there's been there's been enough interest in where we're going to be doing them twice a year. So yeah, the one you did, James, was kind of our Mother's Day makeathon. So that was in the spring. So we'll we'll have ones in the spring and ones in the fall now. And it's just a lot of fun to have people actually have a deadline. So this is this is a, this is what happens with me too, right? I, I sit on projects for months. I'll, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Well, what the whole whole thing of the hack day is is no, there is a deadline, right? So what can you get done? And it really forces you to really buckle down and spend a, spend a whole day really working on your idea. So what are some examples of what people came up with during the hack days? Well, the hack days, yeah. So I I were the team that I worked on is we were we were actually sensing um, your face, your facial recognition. So Google has a series of APIs that you can use, and so I wrote an Android app based on based on what your facial expression was. You know, there was um, there's happiness, there's there's fear, there's sadness, there's anger, and uh, so I did the Android app side, and I sent data up up to the cloud, and then the two other members on the team they dealt with analyzing that data, and then we actually had a a light and a speaker system that would adjust based on your happiness. So the more you smiled or the happier you, you looked, the music would change and it would start playing, you know, celebrate good times by cool and the gang, you know? And then, you know, if there, there was other, if you if you were sad or whatever, we, we had other music that, that would be played and, and lights would go up and down based on that. So that was, that was really cool. So that was, that, that was, that was a fun one. We had the taco bot, like you said, there was uh, people that were doing sensors based on noise throughout the city and, you know, collecting and analyzing data and then plotting it against maps, which is actually really cool. Most people know visually maybe what a city looks like, but they, what they wouldn't understand or be able to visually see, I guess, is how much noise pollution goes on within a city. And especially if you were, say, a developer and you're looking to build a, a, a new campus, it would be great if you were to understand how much noise you're basically going to be running into. So that, that was kind of a big data analytics play. I know other people, there was another group that was doing water, the cleanliness of, of the water. And again, you know, the whole point of a lot of this stuff is actually piping it to the internet, you know, so sending that information up remotely so you don't actually have to go out and do a lot of measurements and samples. I know at the hack day, we also had people doing, there was a guy, there was a group that did, they were go-go gadget and they did a connected teddy bear. And when you grabbed his arm, it would say left arm, right arm. But what was kind of cool is that you could actually adjust it and it could say, it could speak in Chinese or speak in some other language. So, you know, not only do you actually have a toy that your child would play with, the the kid would also be able to kind of, you know, get some education out of it too as well. There was a group that I worked with in a, in a previous one that was last fall that we did a internet-connected pillbox. So whenever the pillbox was opened, it would actually snap a picture. There were lights that were light up underneath. So the caregiver would be, uh, so the person, you know, the, the patient would know which medications they should take. And then the caregiver would be alerted that the person um, had opened the um, pillbox and would be, you know, be able to see a picture of, of their pills. So it's, I mean, it's really, it's all over the place. There's some really, really interesting stuff. No, the group was actually connecting and playing music based on your brainwaves. So they actually had a xylophone that was there that they had wired up a bunch of motors to. And you know what's what's so cool about this stuff is that is that it's it's so maker oriented. So the, the electronics are one piece of it, but I I really think the Internet of Things is it's more than just the tech and the electronics. It's really the experience, and in a lot of ways, the craftsmanship of what you build. That's where, that's where I think that this this whole world between you know, physical objects and the electronics inside of them, you know, it, it takes it takes a number of different uh, skill sets to be able to build something that is actually valuable and that is that actually really solves a problem well. 
So, and you know, the hack days are, the hack days are, are a time to just to, to really explore. And, you know, people bring in 3d printers. So we 3d print stuff there. We've had laser cutters, you know, that we've, that we've had access to, to, to use, of course, soldering stations, all that type of stuff. And, and people just really, just really get their hands dirty and just build stuff. That sounds uh, really, really fun. I've done a few things with Arduino. I know that Andrew's done a bunch of stuff with Arduino as well. Do people tend to gravitate to that platform, or do they use some of the other ones that are out there as well? Most people, I, I think, start out with maybe a Raspberry Pi, I guess. It, it, it feels to me like most people just kind of go there first. And I, I don't know why, for one reason or another. It just seems like Raspberry Pis are, are just more well-known still to this day, even though Arduinos have been out for you know 10 years now. Most people maybe start on a Raspberry Pi. I, I I also think you know it's pretty easy to program on a Pi with like Python or even or even JavaScript or there's there's a number number of different like languages, and you know Arduino uses a language called Wiring, which is looks very much like C, but maybe people get a little put off by it, you know. But no, it's it's definitely a close second. And that's really what I get uh, my students to to kind of start with, with the class that I teach at the University of, of St. Thomas. Every student um, purchases a uh, SparkFun uh, starter kit. They, uh, you know, we, we basically work on projects using, using Arduino in there. The beauty of the Arduino and even Raspberry Pis and, and all this type of stuff is really sort of the democratization of, of this technology that like literally anybody can, can, can work on this stuff. And I tell people, you know, it's not going to be Apple or Google, you know, or Facebook or those people that are going to have the next billion dollar idea. It, it's going to be the kid in the garage next door, right? Or it's going to be somebody who's playing in their basement and working with an Arduino or Raspberry Pi. And that to me is just is just amazing. You know, I, I love the fact that this technology that, you know, was before, you know, could could be thousands of dollars now is so reachable by such a large group of people that, you know, it, it just it just opens up. Uh, a whole bunch of really very, very unique opportunities for people to do stuff. And to tie it back to iOS, you know, I mean, that, that was phenomenal what Apple did too, right? For $99, now all of a sudden you can start publishing your app to millions of people. So they, 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 they opened up essentially, you know, the, the, the ability for somebody to sit in their garage and sit behind, you know, their Mac, their MacBook and create something that would make them a lot of money and that actually solved a lot of problems, which is, which is really, really fascinating. So I, that's how I see a lot of like similarities, what's going on with open hardware and Arduino Raspberry Pis in the world of the internet of things. I wanted to ask about the, the class you teach. It sounds cool and maybe somewhat unique. Yeah. So tell us how that, how that got started and what you do. Sure, sure. In fact, it is very unique. It's probably the only graduate level class in the state of Minnesota that's actually pinned as Internet of Things. The University of St. Thomas uh, has kind of led in, in a couple different areas. Um, they started a big data analytics practice thing as a part of their graduate programs there probably three or four years ago. So they they really started and it, and it's and it's it's grown. I mean, it's they they it's just one of their biggest programs going on right now. There's such a need for people to do big data and sort of analytics. And so they approached me last fall, and they said, "No, hey, we're we're looking at kind of doing a class on the on the Internet of Things. We know a lot of the stuff that you are doing out in the community, and we'd like to have you do this this class." I did my graduate work there. I, I actually have a master's from the University of St. Thomas, so I, I kind of knew the faculty and knew some of the people there. And I was like, wow, this sounds like a great opportunity. I knew it would be a lot of work. Um, there, there really aren't any you know, books like, okay, here's a step-by-step -step way to create a class on the Internet of Things. And so I, I really had to kind of 
feel my way through it. So we launched a class this past spring. It was kind of funny. I met with the associate dean, and he was getting ready to basically put it put it out for registration. And he's like, you know, if we only get five or six people, we're probably going to have to cancel the class. And I'm like, okay. So he puts it out there, and within two days, it was full. Thirty people signed up for the class, and then and then, and then they had a wait list. So, I mean, there definitely was a huge amount of interest uh, there. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess it's time to get to work now. <laughs> Start putting together what this class is going to look like. And so I, I kind of knowing the mindset of a lot of the people that are in the class. So it's 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 called it's the graduate programs and software GPS there. So the people that are going through this program are taking this as a night class, first of all. So, you know, they pretty much 99% of them have day jobs. And typically, they're not in the Internet of Things, right? So I would say the breakdown of the class was probably, you know, 90% people that were software engineers at all sorts of places, Thomson Reuters, Wells Fargo, uh, U.S. Bank, you know, General Mills. So these are all places that are traditionally, you know, not doing Internet of Things. Now, I would argue that they should be. And so, you know, now we're starting to train people that are going back into their workforce that are thinking about this type of stuff. But these are people that are usually, you know, just doing software by day and are just kind of curious about sort of how hardware, you know, works. The class is 14 weeks long. Um, the first sort of part is a lot of industry and trends, kind of where it came from, where it's going, you know, where where I where I see it going. And then even I, I encourage the class to do a lot of exploration. You know, there's news articles being written literally every minute on this subject. And so I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, homework sessions and and, you know, other work that they do to kind of find the, the latest and greatest articles that are going on out there. And, you know, hence my IoT weekly news publication, that, that's a, a great sort of, you know, source. But so the students kind of start to understand what the IoT is, what it's, what it's possible of doing, and just kind of start to think differently about, you know, how connected devices are going to kind of change the world. And after about four or five weeks or so into it, then we get these kits and uh, students actually start getting hands-on. And so they learn how to solder. Uh, which is totally unique uh, for somebody who would think somebody going through, at least when I went through the software program there, there wasn't anything like this. So I, I did. I did electrical engineering in college, and I don't think we ever soldered. I I did it a lot on my own, a hobbyist before I went to school, but I thought I always thought it was silly. There's no soldering iron anywhere in an electrical engineering curriculum. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so I, so I really wanted people to to uh, to actually get their hands dirty. And on day one, they 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 are told that they're going to have a capstone project that they're going to have to um, develop. Um, so so have them start thinking about what they want to do because that's that's like sixty percent of their grade is is basically this this capstone project. And the capstone project is very it's very open ended. I didn't want to pigeonhole anybody. So you can use any platform you want. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Arduino or 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 or, or anything. But what I want you to prove to me is that, you know, you understand the, the pipeline. You know, you understand how you get data off a sensor somehow through the Internet to some cloud-based service and then show me a chart or a graph or some sort of time series data that's real time that we can kind of see, okay, great. You, you understand how to work through it. And from, from there on up, there it's just it just gets better, right? So how does this thing scale? You know, how, how would you use a message queue for this? You know, what happens in remote deployments, right? All that type of stuff. You know, what sort of fallback measures do you have? So those, that's when you start talking about, okay, you know, now you're talking about, you know, A, a type work, you know. But to just, just to basically be able to kind of understand it all, all the way through is, is really what I'm looking for in sort of that capstone project. And so throughout, so throughout the middle of the course, I guess, 
is really giving you the tools and the time to, to, to be developing this stuff. So like I said, they, they all get the, the uh, spark fun kit. I also, I also think it's very important that they don't just hear words from me, but they hear people from the industry. So I invite in guest uh, speakers to speak. And we're very fortunate here in the Twin Cities. We have a lot of really awesome IoT companies here that most people maybe haven't heard of, or maybe you have. But I've been fortunate enough to kind of be in touch with a lot of these companies. And one of them is a company called Smart Things. They are all around home automation, you know, smart home. And I, I know a couple of the founders over there. And so I had one, one of their VPs of engineering come in. And so he talked about all about connected home and kind of how, how smart things is positioned. They got purchased by Samsung a little more than a year ago. And so they, they're now basically a, a Samsung company, but they still brand themselves as uh, smart things. So I had those guys come in. We also had a, a company called Exosite. Um, they're, they're in town here. They have a platform for aggregating this data, collecting collecting data. And so they're kind of whole sort of cloud play. A couple other companies that are here in town too, one of them is called Particle. They actually were founded here. And they have a Wi-Fi module that allows you to write Arduino code and then um, can take data off sensors and, and push it uh, up to uh, their cloud, um, but they, they basically take away, well, and it doesn't even have to be their cloud, I should, I should back up on that. You can push it anywhere you want, but the beauty of what they did is, is basically to kind of abstract away all of the headaches that you would typically have to do with, with you know, setting up Wi-Fi. They, they, they found a module that works very well, they made it small, they made it low power, they made it cheap, and you essentially can can buy one of one of their boards. It's, they have a board called a Photon, and they also have a new one that they just came out with now called the Electron, um, which is a cellular-based one, which some of the students actually ended up using um, for their for their project. Another company in town called Punch Through Design. They do uh, Bluetooth Low Energy, so very similar to what the guys at Particle are doing. Um, they allow you to write Arduino code and then be able to interface with any sort of BLE device out there. And the biggest BLE device out there that everybody would probably know would be the iPhone. So a lot of people actually ended up writing some pretty cool uh, apps that would um, use Punchers technology to uh, to communicate with their iPhone. So then they wrote an app in Swift and uh, were able to communicate with them. One, one of them that just comes to mind, just as a, a sidebar, this guy actually, he, he created an internet-connected toothbrush. And so, which is, uh, which is at first glance, is a little bit kind of ridiculous, but there actually are health studies that are out there that show that lack of oral hygiene actually leads to heart disease and hypertension and a, a number of other things. So he was coming at it from more sort of like a health angle play. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't shoot down anybody's project ideas. You know, it's the, these, these are all, you know, very very worthy ideas that all these students created. And so he he used he used punch throughs, a little board, attached it to a toothbrush. And he actually made this. He actually so he brought in his toothbrush that was connected on the on the last day. Their module actually has an accelerometer built on it as well and a temperature sensor on it as well. So but he was using the accelerometer. So he would open up an app that he had written uh, in Swift. He pretending like he's brushing his teeth and you could see all the data basically flow flow through um, on the app. And then you know the data I would also get sent up to a centralized, you know, repository in the cloud too, as well. But that's, you know, really, really cool stuff. So it's it's awesome to have these companies here in town that are like literally in our in our back door. And we have a company called Digi International, which I'm going to be having um, one of their engineers come in. They have a number of different modules and boards, um, stuff that they've developed, in particular around this technology called Zigbee um, and Z-Wave. And so they 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 write a number. They they actually have their own module called XB, um, which they've done very very well. Uh, with, which is a kind of an ultra low power frequency 
protocol. And so they're they're in town. I mean, it's just kind of the list goes on and on. There's there's a number of really really awesome companies here in town. So really excited to have uh, other people uh, come in and kind of uh, speak to the class, so they don't just kind of take take my word for it. And so then over the course of that, you know, they'll, they'll get one of these punch through um, boards, they'll get a particle board, they might get some, some XB stuff from Digi, you know, and so then they can kind of assemble together what they think their project, you know, what, what they would like their project to be. And then the last two classes will have, uh, or this is what we did, you know, past, past uh, in, in the spring and what we're going to do it again here, here, here in the fall is there will be uh, big presentations at the end. So all the students are able to kind of present their ideas of what they've built. So that's kind of the class, I guess, in a, in a, in a quick nutshell. That just sounds like fun to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 I I think you know it was funny. Some some of the people that were in the class. So I you know I said I said a lot of them worked at these big corporations. There were a couple that were in the class that actually had been doing sort of IoT projects on their own or worked for a company that was kind of in this space already. And I was like, well, why why are you here? I mean, you could probably teach this class, you know. And those students in particular were just like, you know, I just I just don't do enough of it at work, right? I I, I really even though it's kind of my job, I really want to have time outside of work to really work on fun stuff that I want to work on. And it goes back to this kind of having a, a timeline thing. I mean, my my basement is littered with tons of projects that I've just started and, and haven't ended. And so for them to be like, hey, you know, every Wednesday night, I'm, I have three hours here and I'm going to learn about this stuff and I'm going to actually be able to set aside time to really plow through and make some progress on these projects is, is, is great for them. That's very cool. So we talked, you talked about a number of ways of connecting the data and some of the basic ones are just cellular. So you can buy a, a particle kit and they'll talk right to, you know, a, talk to your cell tower that goes right up to the cloud you can do Wi-Fi. You talked about BLE, which is a good way to get to your phone, and your phone can upload the data however you want. You also talked about some other technologies that our listeners probably haven't heard of, like Zigbee, and there are a ton of other ones. Can you talk a little bit, little bit about those? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you a little bit. I guess what I know about them. I mean, it, so a lot of these, a lot of these other sorts of ones have actually been used in home automation for quite some time. You know, there, there, there would be a you know, like a, a wall plug and you could plug into to your wall to remotely turn on and off a, a light. Th- those have been around for a long time. And and a lot of those were actually Zigbee based. Again, it's just it's another range in the in the Wi-Fi spectrum or in the in the in the radio frequency spectrum, just like you know the old cordless phone days where you just have a cordless phone that would connect to a central place. Zigbee, Z-Wave, XB, these are all various technologies that are very cheap. They are very low cost. The cost of these chips are a fraction of what it would be to have a cellular chip or to have even a Wi-Fi chip. So they, they've been very popular for hobbyists and, and other sort of home automation people to kind of work with. And, they, and, I, and I guess I, I wouldn't say that home automation is the only place that they've been used. They, they definitely are used in, in, in sort of industrial spaces um, as well. But the hardware has been you know, pretty, pretty specialized. Right. Uh, the the downside with some of these types of things, it, going with a Zigbee type solution, is is you know it needs to be able to talk this sort of protocol both ways, and so you know getting it to then to, to then to talk to your phone, your your phone doesn't participate in this. I guess the other thing that I that I would say is that these are all mesh networks. So these devices communicate with each other via a sort of a mesh topology, and so they're broadcasting out and communicating point to point. 
And there is actually, you know, underlying specifications on how this technology should work. It's not secure at all, which is interesting. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll read about uh, Internet of Things companies actually putting out devices that are not secure. And a lot of the reasoning behind that, I feel, uh, is that is that the underlying technology a lot of the stuff was built on was actually predates a lot of the the, the SSL and encryption and re- requirements that are now kind of put in place and that everybody kind of it, it, um, kind of expects on a lot of these devices. So you know these technologies like Zigbee and, and Z-Wave and such that they have their place and you know they're for sort of short to medium ranges. I hear that the new sort of BLE, like 5.0, and some of the stuff that, that the guys are doing at, at Punch Through, now they're getting like BLE ranges that are going hundreds and hundreds of feet. Uh, they were showing me, I was over at their office this past spring, and the guy was like, yeah, he's like, I was standing here at our door, and he's like, you see that parking lot out there? And he's like, way on the other side. He's like, we were still picking up a signal, you know, which was, you know, I was like, wow. So BLE, again, uses more power you know, get much more longer distance, but can talk with your phone or, you know, most, yeah, I mean, that phones come with BLE chips in them so they can communicate with that. Things like Zigbee, Z-Wave, XB, those types of things are very specialized, but they work well on a small scale, cheap devices, um, mesh networks. One of them can, can go down and the whole network doesn't, doesn't go down. They can, you know, they, they, there are ways for them to continue to communicate with each other, not being reliant on the cloud. And again, they've been around for quite some time. They're just a different sort of uh, range in the uh, radio frequency spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Before IoT was the buzzword, this was all done in you know, manufacturing places. They called it machine-to-machine, M2M, where they did a lot of the same type of things where you didn't wire the whole factory for you know, Cat5 or wireless. Or what may not even been available back then. You, just, you ran these devices so you could get whatever sensor reasons you needed from you know, whatever machines or components. So it's, yeah, it's definitely been around for a long time. Yeah, and, and I think I guess how I classify IoT as being different than 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 MDM because it's one of these things that I really talk to my students a lot about is is that you know in a lot of those cases those factories were just one factory and it was just one machine talking to one other machine and they were they were based on very sort of arcane and proprietary technologies and they weren't bringing in any other data from any other any other source. And so really what IoT kind of did is it said, you know, let's kind of let's kind of blow the doors off this thing, right? Let's start connecting factories to other factories. Let's start bringing in weather data real time or or, you know, other types of data from other systems that are not even related to your factory. And how can we analyze that and crunch and crunch that data and even close to the edge, you know, even e- even within the factory, it doesn't even need to go to the cloud anymore. There's a lot of companies that are actually putting edge edge computing devices out there, like Cisco and Dell are kind of like the two most well-known ones that are putting these edge edge computing devices out there that are actually monitoring, you know, all of your machines at the same time <laughs> and monitoring with other data and then can now can react. You know, I think in a lot of the words, in a lot of the worlds of, of machine to machine, it was just collect, but not actually take action. And so in the world of the Internet of Things is, you know, based on all this data now, how can I change the outcome? One of the biggest things that I've, uh, you know, seen is, is um, you know, Intel uh, on their factory floor, and they've been doing this for, for quite some time, 
they will actually monitor the vibration and and other sort of cr- critical things of their machinery. And when a machine goes out of balance, they actually shut it off. They're actually the machine is actually able to turn itself off because what they've learned is is if this machine continues to work out of balance, now all of a sudden it becomes a hundred thousand dollar maintenance you know fix. Whereas if this machine would actually shut down and and maybe slow down production for a period of time until they fixed it, um, that would that would have you know nowhere near the consequences of this machine continuing to function until it actually you know completely broke. So you know. IoT really, really brings it in. It takes that idea of, of uh, M2M and then just kind of, you know, raises it up with more data, you know, actionability back into the environment. And then, of course, you know, more insights and sort of analytics around, you know, what's, what's, what's going on within your, within, your, within your entire business, not just within the factory. That's cool. IoT is M2M to the extreme. You got it. M2MX. You heard it here first. <laughs> so if somebody is sort of new to IoT... Uh, this is the question I always like to ask. If somebody's new, is there a good place for them to get started? You mentioned kits. Is that a good way to go? Or do you want to go on like some maker website and see what projects they recommend? Or what do you, what do you tell people who aren't taking your class that think this sounds really fun? Yeah. Well, so there's two sort of required books for the class uh, and I can, and one of them's free. It's actually a free, it's a free, free PDF. I would suggest you download. It's called Design the Internet of Things. There is a, a O'Reilly one called Designing for the Internet of Things, which is super confusing, but that's that one's not actually very good, I don't think, <laughs> surprisingly. This free book, a guy named Adrian uh, McEwen, and it's really, really good. It's a couple hundred pages. It talks about Arduino. There's actually code and stuff that's in there that you can kind of follow along with. And it, it really it talks about security. It talks about good design, which, which I think is super important. And it's one of these things that I actually try and, and stress very, very much with, with the class. You know, the, the students that are in the class, they're, they're software engineers, but I want them also to think, to think like a startup and actually think like a designer. So when they go ahead and design their their, their capstone project, they need to think about what is the user interface. Could you do something with a light or a vibration instead of a screen? You know, what's, what's, the, what's the setup mechanism for getting this thing set up? You know, how easy is it to, you know, is it cellular and it's just, play, you know, sort of plug and play? That's great. If it's Wi-Fi, how does the person configure it? You know, if they need an app, you know, what app do they get? Can you build the app? All that type of stuff. Or is it something as simple as, you know, wow, I can just type in a couple, a couple, you know, things and a light lights up and it, and, and, you know, and the, the device just works. And where a lot of that stuff is moving towards is another book um, that I have uh, required for the class and it's called Calm Technology. It's by a woman named Amber Case. Uh, she was our keynote at our last uh, IoT Fuse uh, conference earlier this, this spring. And, and she is, uh, her, her big thing is, is really, you know, is that, you know, how, how can you design these devices to basically work with you? You know, so you as the human don't need to change your routine. The, these devices sort of adapt to to what you need to have them do. And there's a guy who has been doing this for many years. Uh, if you just Googled uh, David Rose from MIT, he has a book uh, called Enchanted Objects. There's another one that I would definitely recommend, a book that you uh, check out. And in one of his books or his videos, he talks about a um, umbrella that the handle lights up based on uh, the weather. So if it's going to be rainy or whatever, it will it will turn red. If it's going to be uh, cl- you know if it's going to be clear, it'll it'll be blue. And so the the whole idea is is you don't need an app anymore. You know you you literally on your way as you're walking out, you just look at the color of the handle and be like, should I grab this or not? Um, and so what that's what he does at MIT is is basically develop a lot of these really really cool technologies that 
that are, you know, that are, that are there and are around us, but really don't impact our life because they should only have to impact our life whenever uh, they really need to. And we don't always need to have, you know, be looking at an app or looking at our screen or typing something in. What if these devices were just intelligent enough um, or enchanted, as he calls them, enchanted objects, to, to basically be able to uh, sort of adapt and, and kind of work with us? So those are sort of three sort of books that I think are good. There is, you know, there's various sites out there. Um, Hackster uh, is is one, and I think I think there's one called Hackaday too, uh, as well, where people just post their projects, uh, stuff that they've done, which is awesome. They will basically post up, uh, you know, here's all the components you need to build this. Uh, here's a video of of various pieces of it. Here's the code, and you can literally just kind of assemble what the project that 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 they did in a day. Um, Adafruit is a really good site. So, I mean, I mentioned SparkFun, so so uh, that's what we use for our inventors kit. But Adafruit is another really really awesome site that I would suggest checking out to buy to buying components and kits. They have a bunch of stuff there, but they also have a whole section like tutorials. So, just a bunch of different stuff that people have have built, and you can like literally just follow along, buy all the components, and kind of assemble it. And you know, I've written a number of you know mobile apps in my career and I've, I've been a software engineer for a long time and the best thing to kind of go off of and get your get your kind of wet your appetite and get get going is actually looking at somebody else's code you know looking at what somebody else did um, and just getting something simple going it's that's really what it's what it's all about is just getting something very simple and then you then you can tweak it from there you can be like oh wow well theirs doesn't do this I'm gonna work on now you know enhancing what this initial sort of project did so check out some of those resources for uh, for some for some good places to kind of get started. I really like the word enchanted for these devices. However, I think I'll really believe that when my dishes start to wash themselves for me. I think that would be pretty great. <laughs> oh, please invent that, please. I mean, can you imagine how cool that would be? And now I've got my brain thinking, like, what if you put a little chip in there that could sense when it was in the in the sink and then it would like start to vibrate or something to like. Or, or trigger the water and like vibrate so that it would kind of wash everything off. There you go. Free idea. <laughs> that is the billion dollar idea right there. Well, We're we not had, paying I mean, you so enough. <laughs> we, we had some, some really interesting ideas, I guess, that came out of the class that I, I, that I can try and remember. I mean, so I, I mentioned, I mentioned the uh, toothbrush. There was a guy that did an internet of things fishing rod. So based on the bend of the rod, it would light up and vibrate. Um, so it would be, you know, kind of the the virtual fishing assistant, I guess. So that was that one was uh, kind of cool. A group did a, a smart mirror, which actually was done at a hack day. This was a different group, um, but we actually did that at one of our our hack days where um, they actually took a a tablet, mounted it to the backside of a of a mirror and you could actually still see through you could actually see what what was there and so you know as you're getting ready in the morning you could actually speak to this thing and they and there's some really really cool you know voice recognition software out there so they could speak to it and ask it to read it back the weather read it back the uh, news you know take a look at its at its calendar and stuff like that so that was neat a guy did a uh a project called Hot Dog, where he was monitoring the temperature inside of a car. So it would be, you know, this dog would basically wear something on their collar and it'd be one of these sort of alert systems, right? There's dogs and other animals, I guess, that get locked in people's cars and they end up they end up dying. So this wasn't a this was a sort of a unique idea to help you, you know, monitor your dog. There was also like a, a thermometer, like a homemade thermometer. So it was like a sweatband 
that this that this guy put on his his child, and basically monitor uh, their temperature while they while they were um, sleeping. Another one did a speaking of sort of monitoring and monitoring your kids. Um, there was there was a, a guy again. I'm going from memory here, but it would basically sense noise, and he wanted to make sure that his that his daughter was actually practicing her piano. You know, every day. And so, so he had this, this little box that he, that he put inside the piano and it would alert him wherever he was, you know, that she was actually playing the piano at the times. And of course, you know, you'd chart it over time and see how long she was playing and, and, uh, and all, and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, just, I mean, it was, it was just really, really cool, cool types of stuff, you know, and from that stuff to even this guy had a, a impact sensor. So, and a lot of these sensors come in this kit. So, I mean, these we're taking stuff that's just off the shelf components and using them in kind of unique and different ways. Um, a guy did a a, sorry, a concussion um, monitor. So this is something that would be put inside of a, a helmet for hockey. In his particular case, he wanted to um, you know understand the amount of impacts um, that his son son was having. Um, so lots of lots of really cool stuff. Like I said, that was just sort of a, a sort of off the cuff um, kind of example of some of the projects that I remember the students doing this past spring. And we'll have a whole round of them doing them uh, again this this fall. The class starts next week already. That's really cool. Yeah, one of the things that I have trouble with is thinking of what to do. Like the possibilities are endless, which means which which in my brain means like there are no possibilities at all. <laughs> I understand. If you, if you gave me like one sensor, <laughs> one application, I could come up with like fifty things. But like, give me a million things. And million sensors, I'm like I have no idea what to do, and I'm going to go watch TV or something. So how do you how do you coach the the students, or how do you guide students to get ideas? That's a great that's a great great question because I could tell a lot of the students their eyes were just like you know eyes were huge after the first class when I was saying you know you can do anything you know and they're like you mean I can do anything and it's like yeah I mean it's like wow well I don't even know where to start just like you said and so so really you know all those examples that I gave to you were like really those were solving specific problems right this guy has a daughter who he wants to know that she can practice her piano right this other guy is worried that his kid is going to be sick and have a temper in the middle of the night and he wants to know about it right and this other guy has you know a kid who plays hockey and he wants to make sure that he's safe so I, I guess really what I what I tell people is you know solve for your problem you know I, I tell people you know scratch your own back first so look around and 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 see things that you're doing in the world where it's like this would be easier if you know fill in the sentence and those those will be the projects that will a that you're going to be passionate about and actually kind of get done in this time frame. Um, and, and and also b you know if if you're if it's a problem to you, it's it's likely a problem to someone else you know out there too. And so you know you, you could you could write this and open source it, or like I say, put it up on Hackster and you know let other people learn from it. Um, but yeah, and and you know. I will say that uh, in particular for this class, uh, if students said, you know, look, I just wanted to monitor the temperature of my house, right? I'm like, that's fine. That's totally fine. You know, that's completely reasonable. If you can't think of anything else that you want to do, just start with something like that. You know, um, the very first project that I did was was actually, and it actually is still sitting there in in, in my basement in in my office. Is um, it just it monitors the light 
in my office. So, uh, and it doesn't even does any motion. It doesn't, it's not wired into a light socket or anything like that. It's just sitting there with a light sensor that comes in one of these kits on it. And when I flip the light on in my office, then people know that I'm in my office. And when I leave my office, I turn off the light and people know that I'm not in my office. And I've just been charting this data over time, more or less just for curiosity in terms of how often am I really in my office and, and what days and, and all that type of stuff. Um, but if somebody wanted to do that, very simple example for this class, great. You know, I would say then, you know, once you do that, that's cool. You can do that in an afternoon. How would somebody configure this in a real product? You know, what sort of case would this thing be in, right? So figure out how you would 3D print a, a case to put this type of, you know, sensor and this Arduino board or whatever it is in it, you know, and, and then, you know, how would this thing scale? Imagine there's a million of these things now. Are they all going to be pushing this data to one server sitting there? Well, that's not going to work. You know, and what's going to happen when the internet's down, you know? So I, I, I really sort of encourage, you know, uh, my students, but I also encourage, you know, you, anybody out there who's sort of like listening to this, you know, start with something simple. That's great. Um, but then think about, you know, how to productize this. And then you'll come up with a ton of different ideas. You'll come up with a ton of different problems that you'll need to solve. And it's not so simple anymore, um, which is where the fun, fun part comes in. It's just it's all these little sort of like little wins as you develop the product or you develop your idea. And like I say, it doesn't even need to be a product per se. And, you know, this, this can just be a hobby that you work on for, it, for years. It's funny that you mentioned like the, the temperature thing for the kids. I mean, I went to CES this last year. I, I go every year. They, I mean, they had something like that there. It was just packaged up neatly and prettily and had a nice app on it. And so it's it's interesting that, you know, we're talking about something that's, you know, hey, do this as a, an interesting or fun project. But realistically, I mean, it's something that people will actually use and buy. And, you know, they're going to give floor space to at CES. So, yeah, I mean... You know, yeah, IoT yeah. is is everywhere, and it's becoming more and more prevalent. And you know, your hobby project, as you said, may be something that people are just you know interested in or really want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I said, I mean, it's it, it, it could be the next billion billion dollar idea. Um, it could be the next Kickstarter too, right? So that's that's another thing that I, that's been it's been amazing. So I you know I talk about some of these companies here in town, Smart Things, you know, Particle, um, Punch Through. Uh, the, these three companies all did Kickstarters, right? And and they and they they all were basically born out of Kickstarter ideas. And what's so cool about a lot of these these things that you can do in your you know your nights and weekends and in your basement with just components laying around and kind of stitching them together in sort of a a, a new way is is that you can test the market and you know kickstarter has really allowed lots of people to just kind of throw their stuff out there and see see what sticks and and uh, i'm sure that the guys at smart things had no idea that they were going to raise a million dollars you know with 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 their kickstarter campaign which was really you know their whole story was uh their ceo had his had his house out in colorado um flooded and geez, he would have—it would have been nice for him to know about that before he shows up out there, and there's fifty thousand dollars worth of damage. And he was looking around at the market and being like, "Well, there's nothing out here that really would sense water and send me a email, like that's or, or whatever, or a text. That's all he needed, you know." And so that was kind of where the whole idea of of smart things and and uh, connected home sort of came from. And and they put a Kickstarter out there, and then everybody bought it, and kind of like the rest is history. So, yeah, totally. I mean, I I encourage people just to. Uh, to, to create stuff, and if you and if you have the wherewithal and the ability to actually test it, 
on even just an even smaller scale. So a test it within your home. Cool. Great. Now you're monitoring your kid. Well, give it, give it to your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad, you know, or your friend or your neighbor and say, Hey, you know, would you be interested in sort of testing this? Um, I, you, you'll be very surprised. There's a, a company that I'm working with as sort of their, as, as their, um, CTO, and we're doing sort of smart connected lighting and actually passing information through, through again, this idea of, of, you know, not needing an app. Wouldn't, could, couldn't there be a way that you could actually use, use lights to alert you uh, in a different way? And we did a pilot this past spring around snow emergencies. So here in the Twin Cities, if, if you're not familiar, there will be a big snowstorm. And then there's certain sides of the street you can park on. And, and every year, lots of cars get towed because they don't understand, you know, it's an odd side or an even side or a north, you know, north-facing street or a south-facing street. And these guidelines are posted. And now they actually have apps. So the cities have, have, have apps. But, you know... Wouldn't it be amazing if you could just drive down the street and the one side of the street is lit up in red and the other side of the street is lit up in green? And it's like, oh, I park on the green side. And so we actually did a pilot here in, in St. Paul where, where we controlled the lights, where we had one side of the street red and the other side of the street green. And uh, the guy who actually kind of founded the company, he's the uh, CEO, we were setting these up on the street and one of his neighbors comes outside and he's like, what, the, what are you guys doing out here? And he's like, well, why don't... Why don't you tell me? He's like, which side would you park on? And the guy's like, green side. He's like, right. And the, and the, his neighbor, you know, had no idea what was going on, but he's like, hmm, makes sense to me. And when they went back in, it just went back inside. And uh, and so you know, it, it, it it's it, again, this was just an idea, and you know, we've been working on technology to kind of build that out. Uh, and um, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to go the Kickstarter route, but there's a lot of other you know opportunities or places that you could just try this on your street with your neighbors to to kind of see if it's going to take off. Now I want to go tinker. Got that bug in you? Yep. That's that's what the that's the point of a lot of this stuff is just getting people excited enough to do it. The other the other thing I, that I, I I will say too is that so I teach graduate level, but I also mentor. There's a a, a group here in town uh, called Coder Dojo. And uh, James, are are you familiar with them at all? Have have you gone and mentored at any of their stuff? So not with the Coder Dojo. I've done the the Code Camps. Code Camp. Code, what's code Club. I did the Code Club. So part of the umbrella same umbrella organization, but not not the that event. Okay. Yeah. So every every three weeks or so, uh, they basically have like three hours. Um, it's hosted at the University of Minnesota. And they have mentors. They're always looking for more mentors. Uh, so if anyone's listening to this and they're in the Twin Cities area, please reach out to Coder Dojo. And because uh, they try and keep the, ro- the, the ratios low where it's like three students to one mentor. And there's always hundreds of students that want to do this. Um, and it ranges in, in ages from, I think it's like 7 to 17 are pretty much the age ranges of these students that come through. And uh, I got involved with them very early on. We, we were doing um, all sorts of different sort of coding things. So um, one of them was, you know, write, write a mobile app. The other one was develop a website. They use this thing called Scratch, if you're all familiar with that, that allows kids that are young young ages to basically be able to do visual programming. So programming by, by dragging blocks on the screen and, and the way that the blocks inter, interlink you know, forces them to understand how looping conditions work and how and how conditionals and and you know if analysis and all that type of stuff, sort of how that stuff works. So, anyways, we they they were doing some of that type of stuff, and so I, I I mentored there a couple times, and then I was like, hey guys, this would be really cool to have an Arduino one. And the guy who founded it, Matt Gray, he's like, it looks like you've just volunteered to become the Arduino you know mentor, and I'm like, okay. 
And so I got I got our company to basically buy 15 um, of these of these starter kits, and we started doing um, Arduino uh, Arduino sessions. And so now I've been working with kids boy, all over the spectrum. So it's amazing. So kids will come in, they're like seven, eight years old. And the, the simplicity of going through one of these, these books of like, it literally is like, take this and plug this in here, take this and plug this in here. You know, here's the code, cut and paste it, upload it to the board. And now you've got a light blinking. And you know, the kids, their eyes just light up. They're just like, Oh my gosh, I made that light blink. And I'm like, you know, the next thing is like, well, how do you make it blink faster? You know, and how do you make it blink a pattern? You know, so there's just so many different things that you can kind of take them on within with three hours and have them sort of like explore all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've I've taught kids how to program Arduino, you know, as young as you know, seven years old, and um, they've gotten something out of it. And then as they progress and sort of advance um, uh, through it, uh, man, I there there have been there have been numerous times that the kids that have that are in there are better than me. I mean, there, and because there, there were a couple of kids in there that were 15, 16 years old um, that had actually been, you know, tinkering with the stuff. I mean, I, geez, I, I wish I had this stuff when I was when I was that age. You know, I, I had a, I had an Apple and I was programming basic, um, but but to actually have access to all this sort of hardware and start understanding Wi-Fi technology and cellular and and, and just everything, you know, that's kind of going on. Um, so, yeah, these these kids are just just amazing. They're asking me questions. I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so very fun. That's great. And that, it sounds um, a lot like what Apple's doing with their day of code thing, where you can go to an Apple store and you can like program these little robots to move around and kids just love it. It just, you can just see their minds working and, and, and figuring out, wow, look at, look at the stuff I can do with this technology. It's really great. For sure. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, the, the, so the St. Thomas class is, is going here this, this fall, but we're already seeing, so the university of Minnesota now is doing a class in the spring. And one of the guys, uh, who's a partner of mine in, in uh, lab six, five, one, um, he's going to be teaching that class. Um, and, uh, there's another, uh, a place in town here called Century College, um, and they've been doing. They have this whole thing called a Fab Lab. It's this, it's this fabrication lab, and they they just opened that up just a month or so ago. They spent like I don't know a million and a half dollars building out this fabrication lab, which has got 3D printers and CNC machines and all sorts of like really cool equipment that the students can can use. Um, and so it's so this is you know the educational system now is is actually starting to kind of wake up and realize, okay, we need to start training people in this stuff. This is, this is the way of the future. Um, I, I wish they would train iOS development or Android development or, or, or other type of you know, mobile development in, uh, colleges. They seem to be kind of getting a little bit better into that space now. It, it's taken them some time, but it's, it's very exciting to kind of see, um, colleges, um, you know, actually set up these sort of these centers and now, you know, trying to educate people and, and around, around IOT and get them sort of thinking this way, because yeah, we need to have a strong workforce to kind of keep, to kind of keep things going here. And, and not even in the state of Minnesota, this is just, this is just, you know, across the entire country and worldwide. It's always helps when people have access to this technology, but then also are, are, uh, are kind of well-trained in best practices. I didn't know how long you wanted me to talk or if you wanted me to, I mean, I can keep rolling on my own stuff if you want or whatever, but I think you've blown our minds. I know. To be honest. So <laughs> okay, kind of well, sitting, sitting here in awe thinking of like a million different product ideas. <laughs> yep. Cool. Cool. Well, I think, I think we, that's a good place to stop unless somebody has something they really want to bring up. 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and do picks then. Uh, Andrew, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure. I've got two and a half, sort of two and a half picks today. My first one, I've, I know I've now picked it the last two episodes, but I'm going to keep picking it, which is the, the Mac development workshop I'm teaching in November. That's something I'm really excited about. It's come, come to Salt Lake. Uh, we also have an online option if you can't come to Salt Lake for a week and learn how to do I or learn how to do Mac development. And this is meant for people who are already iOS developers. So if you want to find out more, it's skillshop.me. Then my second pick is, uh, spark fun, which was mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, but I just think they're a really great place to get, uh, all kinds of Arduino and internet of things and hardware hacking stuff. They have a lot of products that they've designed themselves, um, they sell stuff from, you know, from other companies. And one of the things I like about SparkFun is that at least for the products that they design and make, they're all open source. So they give you the schematics and source code and everything you need that, that if you wanted to, you could build build your own without buying from them. Um, but the reason that's valuable is because, you know, say you build up a prototype using their stuff and then you want to make a real version that you're going to put into production and, you know, and you use their battery charging board or something well you can actually see how their battery charging board works and use that as the basis of or even just to learn about how you might design something yourself so that's spark fun and then and adafruit also goes in that category also really good i've just bought more stuff from spark fun than i have from adafruit and then uh, along the same lines is digikey which is kind of a old standby uh, electronic component supplier they um, i think do most of their business selling to companies I, I know when i worked as an electrical engineer we always ordered all, all of the parts that we could get anyway from digikey but they'll also sell to just regular people you can order just a handful of parts and that's a really good place if you want to buy just things like resistors and capacitors and chips and you know whatever so that's where i get most of my individual components so that's digikey and those are my picks very cool jane what are your picks okay i'm gonna do one pick and it's kind of a piggyback pick but it's been something i've been had in the back burner for doing for a, using for a pick for a while. I was at the IoT Fuse conference Justin talked about earlier, and uh, the keynote speaker Amber Case talked about calm technology, and that's just something that works without demanding your attention. Something that is reliable. One of the the main examples she brought up is like a tea kettle. If you want to boil water, you put some water in the kettle, you turn on the heat, and you go away until it whistles. Then you know it's done. You know, that's a perfect example of a column technology. You're not putting it on there, setting the temperature you want to do, making sure it connects with your phone and whatever thing it's like you have to do. So she's got a book and there's the site column tech that Justin talked about. But for developments of apps and especially the Internet of Things, it's I use it as like the goal of what we should get to with what we're, we're building. Something just works. It doesn't demand a bunch of contention, configurations. It's just something that people can use. So it's it's a really eye-opening concept of just having a calm technology. So that's that's going to be my pick for today. So, and that's it. All right, Lane, what are your picks? I have two picks. So my first pick is obviously this guy I met today named Justin Grammons, who gave the best introduction to Internet of Things ever. <laughs> Blew my mind. Never heard of him. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally awesome. Thank you. So cool. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, totally unrelated, I finished a book uh, last night called Miss Peregrine's Home for the Peculiar Children. It's kind of a young adult book, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. The author, what he did is he took all these real historical photographs 
and built a story around them. And he has them inserted into the book. So about every 10 or so pages, you see this really old photograph that looks kind of strange and it's, a, it's intertwined in the story and just creates this fantastic narrative and uh, a movie of, of the, the novels coming out, I think later next month. So super cool. That's it. My wife loved that book. I haven't read it, but she, she would back you up on that pick. Yeah, it is. It was fantastic. The pacing was amazing. And the, the, the photo, the photographs were just so cool. So really great. All right. I've got a couple of picks. The first one is, so the mostly the only uh, IOT project that I've done so far is uh, Pinewood Derby Track. And I'm still tinkering with it. <laughs> so this is kind of inspiring me to go back and, and add a couple more features that I want it to have. But um, I'm, I'm really digging it. it. It was a lot of fun to put together, um, both the physical construction with the lumber as well as the electronics construction. Um, I did a whole bunch of electronics stuff in high school. I was also a, an electrical engineering major in college. And so, yeah, um, did some stuff there. But as Andrew said, not a lot of soldering for whatever reason. I guess it's mostly math. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'll also put a link in the show notes for another thing that I want to try, and that is on the Raspberry Pi building your own Amazon Echo. Now, I understand it doesn't have the voice recognition features in it. No, I take it back. It doesn't have the name recognition. So if you say Echo or Alexa, then your Echo will light up and do something for you. With this, you have to push a button in order for it to know you're talking to it. But other than that, the idea is that developers can build these systems and then they can build skills is what they call them for the Amazon Echo. And I think it'd be really fun to build something like that and then build something into some other system so that you can essentially automate some other IoT stuff. And there are links into like smart things and stuff. But anyway, I'll quit rambling about that. I thought it was an interesting idea though and i wouldn't mind when i'm sitting at my desk just to reach over and tap the keyboard on my raspberry pi and then tell it to do something so anyway the last two things i'm going to put out there one is ios remote conf last year i finally got the videos up yes i'm slow anyway so you can go check that out at devchat.tv i'll put a link in the show notes but it's devchat.tv slash ios dash remote dash conf dash 2016 i am currently in the stages early stages of planning next year's remote conference. So if you're interested in that, then uh, when you go check that out, if you if you buy an after the fact ticket, then you'll get notified about the next one and probably a discount code. Uh, the other one is, I know that there are a lot of code boot camps out there that people are involved in. They get going on, you know, on the boot camp and then they graduate and some of them have trouble finding a job. And in a lot of cases, it's really just their approach and some of the things that they're not doing that could get them there. And so I'm doing a series of webinars on that. Uh, some of them are paid and some of them are freed. You can go check free, not freed. Uh, you can go check those out at devchat.tv slash webinars and can get the full list of that. I'm also working on a book about how to find a job and you can get a package with the book and the webinars. So anyway, if you're interested in any of that, go check it out. Justin, what are your picks? Yeah, you stole one of mine uh, with the Echo. Um, because that is a very much a calm technology. I feel like, I feel like being, you know, the, the, the future is going to be with, with the voice. It's going to, it's going to basically, you're going to be able to ask things in. and Amazon, I, I think really took a, a great sort of leap ahead by putting this intelligent thing into your home and all developers, it's going to be very, very interesting to see this developer, you know, 
community, what they can start building. There already are integrations into smart things and, you know, being able to tell Alexa to, to turn on and off lights and adjust temperature and all that type of stuff. So very cool. The other thing that sort of came to mind that I was going to mention was, hey, have you guys seen the dash at all? So that's just this push button thing where it's like, hey, I want to buy more Tide. It's another, it's another sort of Amazon idea. Um, I remember it came out actually in April, April 1st, and everybody thought it was an April Fool's joke. And Amazon was like, no, no, really, you're actually going to be able to push a button and, and you will have more stuff delivered to your house from us, which is genius by them. So apparently, you know, Target's been worried about Dash. They're, they're, they're worried that, that Amazon kind of like one up them on, on this. I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of uh, proof out there. Um, to 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 kind of say that that they've sold a lot of these, but I think it's an interesting idea, and I would say definitely, uh, as, I guess as my pick is, you know, look up the dash and maybe buy a couple of them, see if it see if it fits within your within your lifestyle. Awesome. If people want to follow up, check up on what you're doing, follow you on Twitter, GitHub, etc. I mean, where do they find you? Yeah, just search for Justin Grammons, J U S T I N G R A M M E N S. And uh, yes, I am on all the social medias, so you can find me there. Also, I'll, I'll plug IoT Weekly News. So if you go to iotweeklynews.com, you can kind of see my my thoughts about the Internet of Things. Uh, every week, we publish it on Wednesdays. So, and all my contact information is there. So yeah, feel free to reach out if you're in the Twin Cities. Love to get a coffee. Love to have you come over and see what we're doing with Lab Six Five One. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're, we're we've kind of built this consultancy here now, where you know it's not just software anymore. It's you need electrical, you need mechanical, you know, you need embedded design. And so at Lab Six Five One, we're kind of a, a full service shop for connected devices. So we we do software, embedded, mechanical, and electrical design all here. So we have a lab. We have some really cool equipment. We're just kind of getting set up and going here. We literally just opened our office just a couple weeks ago. But yeah, stop on over. Love to have you in. And maybe I'll catch you at a conference or two. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Uh, thanks. Yeah, this is a fun one. Oh, thanks. We'll go ahead hey, and wrap thank you. this up. And we'll catch you all next week. 